It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. God, yeah. we can actually start talking about real football. I never thought this day would come. We hope you're excited. We're all excited on this end. It's the first time we get to break down a little bit, a little bit, just a little, a little lick from the scoop as uh, it's Eagles versus as Washington. Doug, Doug Peterson would say, a yeah. little lick from the scoop. Well, you better be fucking Hagen dazs That's all I got to say. John Barcher, James Seltzer, LH Shore Parks, as always, here with you. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Wherever you're listening out there, five stars do go a long way. And literally, as we said, just say anything, and we will say what you say if you give us five stars. I think it's a pretty fair rule. Which we'll, um, I'm sure we'll get into as uh, on the Thursday pod as we'll roll those out um, for every preview show that's going on. Uh, guys, I'm excited not only because like this is this is always kind of anticipation week, and I kind of feel it already like it's trending towards a direction of man, I'm so excited, but also maybe this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. I'm you know, and suddenly I'm starting to see like. Or are we taking Washington too lightly? And James has been saying this is a is a preseason game yep. for him and all that stuff. I, I haven't. I don't think I've wavered once. I don't feel any different. I'm just. I just want it to be here. Yeah. Let me start by saying thank fucking God. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. We all made it. There is a real football game being played this week that matters. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Uh, I've not changed at all. I said in May. Is it too early to say the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> and I still think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. The Redskins are starting Eric Flowers at guard, and they just signed Donald Penn, 36-year-old Donald Penn, uh-huh. off the street to start at left tackle. It, you know what? I was wrong to say that week one's a preseason game. It's easier than a preseason <laughs> game. It's like playing your starters against a preseason roster. Let's fucking go. 
Thank God. Not to mention that's uh, protecting Case Keenum on top of that. So it's yeah. just, you know, I'm sure that just like- Case Keenum did well the last time he was did, at the link, right? He did oh, real yeah. good. It was great. He did real good. And it's it's probably going to be prototypical James, or because he's standing right here. Damn right it is. I, I would never compare James Seltzer to Jay Gruden, ever, ever. Well, even though I almost just did right there. <laughs> but it is, it is. well, you did say he was a good coach. A while back. I, no, 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 no. Let's get it straight. I said he's not as bad a coach not as, as bad people as make him out to be he's not a good coach but i think that i don't think anyone could succeed there i i I, I think there's a lot i don't think we have any idea whether he's a good coach or a bad coach it's just a whole disaster yeah and and e what i envision in my mind is just something that is i mean the cookie cutterist of cookie cutter kind of dump off i mean like it's it's James is right. Like Josh Doxson's not a part of this team, even though I was really high on him during the draft process coming in here too. It was just what is it? It's just Paul Richardson and a bunch of other hooligans that are rolling in there. Jordan Reed's not going to be there. Hooligans, w- bunch of hooligans, bunch down. of hooligans down there. But uh, I don't know. I got, let me let me start with this, and then we'll get into some other stuff. Do you think that? We might be taking this too lightly, considering it's still a divisional opponent. I mean, there was at a time where Washington had the Eagles' number and whatever. But on a Tuesday, what's what's your mood? So my first mood is I know everybody loves James and hates me because I'm never going to be able to be as enthusiastic as James just was. Right there. That was a very a very good opening, James. Oh, you're far too kind, my friend. So here's, I love here's you my for thought what it's on, worth. On, my, my thought on the game is this. I think that what you said, John, is kind of true. Like we've viewed this as such an easy game for so long. You can't help but nitpick, right? Like the, yeah. the closer it gets, you can't help but say, okay, well, maybe it's not as easy as we think. A lot of the reasons you could say it's not as easy are simply ga- reasons you could put for every single week one game. Like it's week one, the starters haven't really played, all that stuff. So those apply to pretty much both teams. The only legitimate way I think this turns into a game and even then, I'm not sure it will because I think the Redskins are going to have the worst offense in the league this year. Yeah, I agree. So so I don't think they're going to score a lot of points, even though the Eagles' defense might be a little rusty. I do think the one area that could really make this close is if the Redskins' interior defensive line gives trouble to the Eagles' uh, interior offensive line. With Vitae, say, Amalu, maybe if Brooks is out there, he'll be rusty. And then you get pressure coming right at Carson. And then the edge defenders, Ryan Kerrigan is obviously very good. Uh, Ryan Anderson is not. But I do think Montez sweats a bit of a wild card. So I think this is completely up to the Eagles' offensive line. If the Eagles' offensive line even just has a good game, they'll blow this team out. But if they struggle and are rusty and Lane, you know, hasn't played all preseason, all that stuff – then I think potentially this game could be close. And then you enter like it's week one, anything can happen territory. Yes, and and that's how it should go. And most of these, most of the time anyway, I mean, like look at what the Buccaneers, they, what, they started 4-0 last year. Yeah, I don't know, uh, it's not scientific, but it just feels like everybody that starts out hot does not end hot. It's just, uh, I would I would love to see teams that start out, you know, 3-1 and or 4-0 and who clearly going into the season – didn't have the fanfare and didn't have like this roster set usually end up kind of teetering off here. That's Washington to me. Washington's the new Tampa or maybe they're on the same level. We don't we don't know what, oh, what Bruce is, is going to do Tampa down there. Tampa Bay is way better than Washington. In terms of talent, yeah. yeah. Way, way, better way, better, Washington. way better, way yes. better, way better, way yes. better. And they were last year too. Wait, can, can I also say this? That yeah. I disagree that we can say pretty definitively Jerry Gruden is not a good head coach. Like I don't think it has to do with him being in Washington. Well, I Just said that, I said that like two like, years ago or so. 
when it was kind of okay. still unsure. Yeah, but still. Yeah, I, I think I think he's I think he's not a good coach, but I think there are worse coaches out there. Certainly, certainly, uh, and he'll probably get another job down the line once he's you Who know knows? the offensive coordinator for the Raiders, which is obviously what's going to happen. He'll be a consultant after he gets fired midway through the year, and like we know what's going to happen. He is, with this for team. what it's worth, he is the favorite to be the first coach fired yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, so, as he should you know. be. Uh, and it's really not anything to do with him. I mean, the, the ownership's already told him, see ya. So, <laughs> the, ownership, you know. the ownership just neuters him. I mean, who knows yeah. what he, he can't, he has no control over this team whatsoever. <laughs> He'll say something and they'll like, ah, <laughs> And that's kind of why I feel even more confident because this is the other thing I always think of. Yes, and he, just like you were saying, like Montez Sweat still, I love that guy. I'm pissed that he's in Washington. I don't think he's going to have any kind of impact in his first year. He was built as this athletic freak that is going to be somewhat of a project. And because his athletic uh, build was so high, and we all saw that during the combine, we also know it's going to take time to develop some of those techniques and moves and things like that. So if he does Maybe, go Maybe, but I mean, he did have 23 and a half sacks over the last two years. Oh, no, I'm, so, not, I mean, I'm not saying he's not yeah. a productive pass rusher by any means. He is somebody to, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where he's at in, in his rookie year and how much of a pain in the ass he's going to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it, again, it's Jason Peters, it's Lane Johnson. It's not Lane Johnson coming off of an injury, even though, like, I know Kerrigan always gives this team fits, kind of feels really good going into the season. But here's the bigger picture. If we know that Jay Gruden's getting fired and the players know that and from everything we've taken from Zach Brown this year, uh, uh, just how that locker room operates anyway, who's going to listen to Jay Gruden? Who's going to like, who, <laughs> hey guys, step it up. Okay, fuck you. You're not going to be here in, in in six weeks. I don't know how that is handled. And the only thing that we kind of have something to represent here in Philadelphia is Chip Kelly. And I'm sure that they got to, it seems like they all kind of shut down once they, you know, once this team gets on a losing streak, that's it. Like you're going to hear a ton, a ton of stories uh, heading into it. So yeah, for, for week one though, I would think they would come out pretty motivated. Yeah, this is their I agree overall, but. Yeah, this is their Super Bowl. It's a, it's a rival. It's all that shit. Yeah, so. I guess. I don't know. They're really bad, man. They are a really, really bad roster. I, I am... The line opened at eight and a half. It's already up to nine and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to double digits by Sunday, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I think the Eagles should be favored by double digits over this team. We've talked, I, and I love Elliot's point—the idea that it's it's been so long that we could do nothing else but nitpick it. But I think that's a mistake. This Eagles team is, as we've discussed, potentially the deepest roster in the NFL. Certainly among a handful of the deepest rosters in the NFL, among a handful of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and they're going up against a Washington team that is among the handful of the worst rosters in the NFL. I get it. I know it's opening day. I know it's a a division matchup, all that stuff. The Eagles are playing one of the worst rosters in football at home. I think they, I think they route them. I think they're just way better, and we'll see it. Yeah, and then, yeah. When I when I first saw the schedule, I thought this was like a thirty-eight to seven win with Deshaun finishing with one hundred and sixty plus yards. So I, I agree <laughs> with everything you just said, James. <laughs> I, I, but the one again, like I said, the one realistic thing is I do think the the Redskins defensive line could be an issue. That that's like the one way this game gets close. Yeah, and and sir, on, on Thursday uh, we will really go kind of blow for blow with matchups because I think that is. Uh, absolutely a, a talking point into this. And just like he was saying, that's for Washington, that's pretty much uh, the, the, the win or loss factor is, starts right there. Um, I also am really genuinely curious 
how the Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis thing works. Well, did you see today, you know? apparently, Jay, it, again, to our whole Jay Gruden yes. point, it came out that Jay Gruden didn't want Adrian Peterson on Washington's uh-uh, roster. At all. He's there. So again, just another example of Jay Gruden having zero power yes. as a head coach in the NFL. Which also... And he said that he said that Geis is going to be the guy. Yes. Like, yes. The, he, whenever Doug talks, he tries to give away as much, like, as little information as possible. Gruden just like, yeah, it's going to be Geis all the time. Like, the offense runs through him. Which I think is amazing. And, man, stay tuned till uh, Thursday evening. Because I want that to be James's first question to Sigmund Bloom. Should you start moving up Darius guys in your fantasy rankings or, you know, trying to go get him or going trying to establish a trade? Because I think that's pretty interesting as well. Uh, but as we get closer, I always start to, you know, just like I was saying, the anticipation of opening day, um, it being here. I, I have some some pretty memorable opening day moments. One, obviously, I, I think for a lot of people and uh, people got us to uh, on Twitter at uh, Go Birds Pod mentioning the same thing. I have a hard time coming up with a better opener than Chip's opener in of 13. Course. Yeah. You know, it's probably because it's more we recent. Thought, we thought that football had changed forever in that first it half. It did. It's just we didn't yes. realize. <laughs> we watched that first half and said, all right, it's all different. Everything's yep. changed. Nothing will ever be the same again. It was riveting to watch Michael Dude, Vick. I was, it was unbelievable. I was, yeah, I was in the press box for that. And I remember just like the feeling i don't think i've ever I'm trying to think since then i don't think i've ever felt a feeling from everyone in the press box that, like was there except for maybe the end of the super bowl but even then probably not cuz like you said james like there's super bowl champions every year but there was something about watching what chip was doing where it was like holy shit we're literally witnessing history well, especially yes. when you consider that game started off so bad like for the first drive i mean obviously well, and also when you consider the fact that there was so much hype about Chip leading oh into that. God. I mean, we, the so whole offseason, the planted. signing, <laughs> that all, exactly. So it was like to see them come out and just do this whole, remember that play where they lined up just the center and then they had the two tackles on the, I mean, it was, yes. it was fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening on my television screen? What, what hope we had that? Night? Yeah. And I was just, all it missed was the swinging gate. Cause we had heard about all that. Yeah. Like, Oh, he, he loves to do this shit. He loves to go for two and whatever. And, and by the way, out, he didn't love to go yeah, for two. And he didn't <laughs> love going for it on fourth down. All those things were not true. That first drive. Doug. I still can't believe that they called that a backwards pass, by yeah, the way. That was you. a atrocious that you don't see that fucking i think it was kerrigan he wasn't he the guy that deflected the it ball was too kerrigan, yep my god like just just awful uh on and on but i i do start to think about those things we had some pretty good answers pickle juice game just, is pick, one that pickle sticks out to me that you know, absolutely out yeah. of nowhere deuce just going nuts that was that was a really fun one uh e do you have any any favorite openings that you can remember off the top of your head i know it's kind of a tough one to kind of pull from there uh the one the one i had mentioned was i remember 2011 be, only because dream team uh, that was part of it. Marshall Falk was so staunch on the fucking Rams for some reason that he's like, oh, yeah, they're going to put up a 50-burger against them. And granted, this is when Casey Matthews was named the starting middle linebacker and you had Juan being the defensive coordinator at this point. You're just going, okay, I have no mm-hmm. idea what's going to happen. Uh, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they lost. Uh, I mean, uh, I think Carson's first game, so. the, the, that first drive, the touchdown to Matthews, us all, like, when we had no idea, it was this kid who had broken ribs. We're yep. expecting Bradford to start. He gets traded. Zero preseason action practically other than that first game for Wentz. And then to see him come out and and we're just like immediately, we're like, 
oh, okay, he's got it. This guy's real. This guy is real. You can feel it immediately. I remember doing the post game with you after that game. We're like, oh, we got a oh, guy. Shit. Oh, we got shit. a guy. We got a guy. Whatever else happens, we got a guy. So that was awesome too. E, anything you remember? You know that that was that was the one I was going to say. But the other one actually. Remember when Eagles played the Falcons in Atlanta? I Chip, do. It was 2015. I was and so <laughs> sure they were going to win that game. I was so I sure. I was positive as yep. well. Yep. The ESPN ads leading up to it were really cool. Like everyone was hyped for Chip. And then we're like, holy shit, he's actually Sam Bradford. <laughs> and that's basically what happened. That's exactly what we felt. You're so right, man. That was it. Holy shit. He's actually Sam Bradford. Yeah, I think I started grabbing for straws at that point right after that. And it, I, I think I convinced myself because there was a... Oh, on a screen pass. I think it was a Darren Sproles for a touchdown. Or maybe it was Ryan Matthews. Kelsey got called for holding, and it was a bullshit call. And I just made that the example. It's like, well, if they score there, <laughs> then this game is won or like closer or whatever. But here's something I forgot. This is Doug Peterson's opportunity to have his fourth consecutive, fourth consecutive opening day win, which is a pretty damn good streak, uh, I might add. And since uh, 19... 89, there's been 17 opening day victories, only six teams in 30 years that have not won on opening day have missed the playoffs. I thought wow, that was pretty incredible, a, too. Look at Johnny's stats Arby, over another, here. Another good streak. Carson Wentz has scored a I touchdown gonna, on the opening drive yeah, each each year of his career. That was yeah. the one I was going to bust out, too. It's a yeah, great one. I love that. So there's a, there's a couple things that... Um, are on the line and Elliot, you had a you another brought- good streak. The Eagles have won the Super Bowl in every odd numbered year since 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Things are starting to line yeah. up, boys. Um, you brought this up though, and I thought it was a pretty fascinating question because it's it's all about this. We have expectations once again, where this is a Super Bowl team. We all feel that we've done that before many times in this city, uh, and E like. What was uh, what was proposed in the media room again? Remind me. Yeah, so uh, it was Zach Berman of the Athletic was basically saying like, how many times has this team gone into a season with big expectations and met them? Basically saying like, it seems yeah. like every year the Eagles are really good, it comes out of nowhere, and every year they have a disappointing year, it's when we're all like Super Bowl, and then they they don't accomplish it. And I thought it was an interesting point. He t- he was talking about since two thousand four, but obviously last time they were in the Super Bowl before Nick Foles. And I was trying to think, and he's kind of right. I mean, off the top of your head, can you guys think of a time where this team had big expectations going into the year and either met or exceeded those expectations? If you're including 2004, yeah, I mean, no, except, you're not. except not. for, except for that. that. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, oh, it, when you talk about the level of expectations, I think Chip's first year making the playoffs, that was the high hope expectations that year. So I do think that, in that sense, but in terms of like grandiose Super Bowl type expectations, no. I mean, you think about Arizona that year, they almost went. That was kind of out of nowhere, the last year of the mm-hmm. McNabb Reed thing. You think about obviously 2017, more or less out of nowhere. Um, it's a great question. Uh, I honestly can't think of a year over that stretch of time, but I could definitely think of years the opposite. Dream Team, a perfect example. Yeah. Last year, where they did end up almost getting the NFC Championship game, but. It, Still felt like a disappointment most of the time along the way. It's a really fascinating yeah. question. I, I would so honestly. I went back and I went back and I looked. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say I honestly believe 2017 those expectations were met in, in just in terms of like what we expected as a fan base. We wanted to make sure that Carson Wentz was going to take it to this next level, 
and we didn't know what that next level was, so maybe that's kind of a cop-out from the answer itself, but... Um, oh man, if Fritz left his freaking Google chat open, which is what that noise was, it, I'm going to fucking kill him. Who else would it because be? Because this is going to go, oh my God, Fritz, come so on, buddy. Jack, Jack has this thing of leaving everything open always. I open his Twitter account more than you can imagine anything else. That's all the guy does. He, he has real issues closing things. Yeah, so uh, I'll put Elliot down. I'll just put him back up when uh, when uh, when it's time for all him right. to speak again. But uh I think 2017, Could Fritz, I'm going to kill close it. close the Google thing or I no? can't because I need his password oh! to get it. <laughs> uh, so Way to go, Fritz. 2017 for me, I think, is is a met expectation. We knew what Carson Wentz was, um, hopefully. And now this is the thing kind of judging moving forward, which is where our expectations are, are now. Now we expect him to be, or a lot of people expect him to be in the top, what, 10 easily. And then maybe even top five in terms of performance. But... 2017 was met for a bunch of different reasons, including him and Doug and a bunch of others of like, hey, guys, you need to prove now with this with Alshon Jeffrey here and now with uh, more weapons and whatever, there can't be really an excuses of not making the playoffs. And then they blew those things out of the water. But I think that's that fits into that category. But those are the only two scenarios I can come up with. So first of all, I think the listeners probably really appreciate you can just mute and unmute me whenever you want. So maybe this is just a good way going forward to handle this. But so I went back. The and listeners are just season, yelling mute and, right now. So <laughs> um, I came up for, for a couple interesting things first. So after 2004, so starting with the 2005 season, they've had an over under heading into the year of 10 or more four times, wow. which they have this year. It started at nine and a half, but I checked a few books and it's up to like 10, 10 and a half. Yeah. 10 and a half. Every most time, places. Yeah. Every time that they've had an over under over 10, they haven't met it and they've finished with a losing record. Wow. So obviously not great heading into this year. They were eight and six overall hitting the over in the last 14 seasons. But when you just talk about expectations, I mean, 2011, they're coming off of the Vic year where he took over. And remember, he took over for Kevin Cobb. Yep. They hit the under that year. The following year, they're coming off the Dream Team year. For some reason, they had an over-under of 10 coming off the Dream Team year, and they were 4-12. and 12. So that was disappointing. And then obviously last year, they finished with an under. The under was 10 and a half. So, I, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned 2017. I think that for Carson Wentz, the expectations were met. But heading into that year, I just looked it up. They had 40 to 1 odds win the Super Bowl, and they were 16th. This year, they're fifth. So I don't think we've seen expectations for this team since really, I don't even think last year, honestly. Well, maybe last year. But I think these are the highest expectations this team has had in a really long time. Oh, without a doubt. I don't, I don't think that that's, yeah, that, that's just true. I mean, like, we're all, we're all sitting here moving it and believing it and like there are I think everybody nationally and this is what used to scare everybody we used to get so scared if they got national attention which is why we're always gonna at the words dream team and like all of that like 2011 and 12 were perfect examples of it but I think when those expectations are around we usually tend to turn a blind eye towards everything I mean that's just true of fandom in general like we never want to hear about the bad stuff i'm sure that there are things that we are overlooking kind of right now i even thought it was an interesting answer from doug peterson um even today on the morning show and i don't know if you guys got a chance to kind of you know uh, listen to this uh, this morning but it was 
Angelo asking Doug, like, hey, what is your what's your biggest worry heading into the season? And here was his answer. Biggest concern. Um, you know, we have had some some injury, uh, particularly on the defensive side. And and, you know, I think I think looking looking back, looking ahead, whatever, uh, you know, guys like Fletcher Cox, Nigel Bradham, uh, Darby's been working, Rodney McLeod's working back into practice. Just just making sure those guys are 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 a hundred percent ready to go and and just kinda you know I'm excited for them because they are, you know, they are back on our, our team. They're back practicing and all that. But there's just a there's just a, a little, I guess, a level of concern that that uh, you know, um, I, I want them to play well. I want them to to not feel any. Uh, they don't have to feel any anxiety. They don't have to, you know, they're a hundred percent. They're ready to go. But at the same time, just. Just seeing him back out there will kind of ease a lot of that tension. Yeah, and uh, you know, Rodney was on with with you guys earlier uh, this afternoon, James, and he was just kind of expressing like, "Yeah, I needed to get through Baltimore for all those real fears of like, am I going to re-injure myself and things like that." Doug's expressed that now. Um, is that something that we're overlooking? Because Doug is saying, "Hey, the injuries on defense. I mean, I'm not saying it's a it's the biggest deal in the world, but." And a lot of these guys are banged up, and we want to make sure that they feel comfortable out there, you know, come on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's something. Look, you and Elliot have, have brought it up more than most, so I don't know if on this pod, per se, we're, we're ignoring it. But, I look, it's a tough spot when you're Doug Peterson and you feel really good about your club and you're asked what he worried about. So, <laughs> I don't know, people getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty standard thing to say. Yeah. Personally, I'm not as worried about it as you guys have been, but I definitely think it's something. Look, again, as we discussed, this is a Super Bowl talented type of roster. This is a roster that has the ability, you know, heading into the season, so many things can change, but heading into the season, you look at the NFL, you look at the landscape, this is one of the better rosters in the NFL. They are a Super Bowl caliber type of roster. So I think when you start to to look for issues, you're going to find them. And I think that when you find an issue, like this, I think this is one that that does stand out. The idea that that injuries on defense, we saw how much it affected them last year. They almost didn't make the playoffs because of the injuries in the secondary. Right. Brandon Graham wasn't really right until the end of the season. So I think it's something worth mentioning. I'm not super worried about it. I don't think Doug is super worried about it either. I think that was just the answer to the question that Angelo asked that made the most sense. But I think we probably have underrated it to a certain point. Yeah, and yeah I mean, there's going to be, yeah, to James's point, I guess, like, was he going to come out and say, like, God, I'm not really sure about we that We look like spot. shit, guys. <laughs> like shit in right. practice. Uh, but I still so think... The, Go ahead, the, the reason, The reason I would think he might be... A, I agree with you. Like, he has to say something. It's a tough spot, and this is a good way to say nothing while saying something. But just from talking to him multiple times this, this offseason and, and last year when we would get to talk to him, I do think that they legitimately realize how much having a bad training camp impacted their season. So I think there's a chance he actually is semi-concerned about this because as we've talked about on the pod, when you look at the guys that missed training camp last year, none of them except maybe Alshon had good years. And even Alshon's year, and I'm not just saying this as a hater, I mean, he he was great towards the end of the year, but he was you know pretty slow there to, to start because the whole offense was struggling. Right. So um you know, if you if you subscribe to the idea that missing training camp will really impact your year, if I told you Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Nigel Bradham, Ronald Darby, you know, all these guys are going to have down years or not the year you would expect out of them, then I think that does severely impact what you expect from this team. I mean, I think the offense could be really good. 
And maybe they're just so good it doesn't matter what the defense does. There's a, a possibility that happens. But at some point, I mean, the offense wasn't great last year, and you have to get stops. I mean, we saw last year the defense giving up, you know, three fourth down conversions against the Titans. So if you subscribe to the idea that injuries matter, I mean, Fletcher Cox is a very important part of this team. And if he doesn't have a good year, that impacts the entire defense. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to – that's why I guess the early part of the schedule is – is still going to be very, very important for this Eagles offense because just like it's going to be the reverse of last year where you had the defense kind of maintaining as much as possible. Uh, And I know people have several different opinions on how well they actually played and who carried who, but the defense carried this team for the first part of it. Uh, then the unfortunate things happen to Carson in his back, then it floats back to Nick Foles, and then everything seems to be at least more balanced in this year you know when we talk about some of the upcoming macro things with the schedule with the short week with green bay going down to atlanta they need to be kind of firing on all cylinders so to ease point i mean that's always something i'd agreed with especially when it comes to fletcher cox and i gotta say if ronald darby is good to go week one i'm still worried about that i think that that's why they included Razul douglas in the press conference on saturday with doug um, I would be, I'm honestly, I'm genuinely shocked that Darby's even ready to go. Uh, he doesn't really look like he's a hundred percent back at all. That's just an eye test thing. They obviously know more. He knows more. Um, I don't feel like he needs to get out there and rush back, but do you think Ronald Darby is going to be actually good enough in, in game shape to go here? E? Because I, I don't believe he is right now. Well, I think us three could go out there and cover the Redskins starting three receivers. So I think there's <laughs> the disrespect to Paul Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a pretty good chance he'll look good. If he doesn't, that's obviously a major concern going against what I think are the worst set of three receivers in the league. But I agree. Look, when you when you talk about the fact that not only are these guys all coming back from injury, they're all coming back at the same time. Like Nigel Fletcher Cox, Ronald Darby, uh, Derek Barnett. That's four of your 11 starters on defense that didn't take a single snap together in the regular season. And really, McLeod has been in and out of the lineup as well. Yeah. Sydney's been moving all around. So the defense definitely doesn't have a lot of uh, continuity. I don't think it'll be an issue against Washington. But week two at Atlanta, on the road, in that dome, prime time, like you need your defense to, to have a good game. I mean, unless you're going to win that thing, you know, 42 to 38. But the, I, I do think like Ronald Darby could start out slow, which is an issue. Fletcher Cox could start out slow, which is an issue. When I project this Eagles team and I'm doing my win-loss prediction right now, the only real concern I have with them is the defensive injuries. Yeah, and, the, and on top of that, um, I'll even say, you guys know, I'm the biggest stand in the world. What if Sidney Jones just isn't that good? You know, and then you're kind of put into a position. So all of these are very, very important things, I think, early on to kind of look and notice because I know I can already feel the tweets the moment that Sidney Jones lets up a big player and touchdown. Ah, here we go. You guys always said he was going to be a great coming out of training camp. He looked good. Uh, this is why training camp doesn't mean shit and blah, blah, blah. We don't know. We don't know because Patrick Robinson ended up being one of the best corners in the Super Bowl year. We don't know. No one actually knows what's going to happen. If we knew that, this would not be fun. You know, like this, football would be predetermined. Like, sorry, all these guys look better in training camp than you guys do. And that's it. And wrap it up and, and do whatever. But there's a. I still think there's a long way to go, not in terms of talent, but just figuring out, all right, who's going to be the guy in the secondary? And then when Mills comes back there, corners. We said it in uh, February and March, and we're still talking about him. Like, I still think that's the biggest 
circle kind of going on around here. Uh, gentlemen, the, uh, I mean, we did get to the 53. There was some, uh, the roster was solidified. James, were there any kind of takeaways from what you thought they did and their moves and uh, rest in peace, Clayton Thorson, because I guess Kyle is, uh, is going to be the new developmental quarterback uh, here in Philadelphia. But what was uh, 53 roster thoughts? Yeah, we, I, I, we talked about it before it happened. I, I And I know that there was a possibility you were really hard on it yeah. potentially happening, but I, I still think letting Wiz go is a mistake. And maybe they sign him back after the first week of the season. It's one of those weird contract things so they don't want to guarantee now. the yeah. full money and all that whatever uh if they believe they can get him back then great i just look it's a guy i made the case before he's someone who has experience he started in the fucking super bowl for this team yeah everyone seems to fucking hate him for some reason <laughs> but when he goes out to play he does a good job at guard at least to my eyes so i i still think letting wiz go is a mistake i don't trust her big back there there's no depth back there comparatively but i mean look they still have a lot they still have big v i feel good about that from a depth perspective but i still think letting wiz go is a mistake other than that i don't really have any issues with the cuts but for me letting him go is a mistake i think this so is james oh, james i i agree with you on that okay. but you know what this reminded me of for some reason when they cut alan barber i made like a huge deal out of it yeah and then i ended up just being dead wrong so i kind of feel like wiz has that type of potential i agree it's with everything possible, you're saying for sure but I also just think like a guard, I don't like they're like the least important position on the field, probably. So I don't know. Here's here's my theory on it, even uh, though I felt pretty good about Wiz not being here. I think this gives you this is why Howie Rosen is really smart. Uh, the two week non guarantee kind of just eliminates, uh, like we said, uh, paying Wiz more than you have to. If Herbig, for some reason, if he flinches or they don't feel as confident over the next couple of weeks they can easily just go okay swap it out Wiz comes back here's your money it's not guaranteed it's going to be a game by game basis so I don't think that Wiz is is all said and done I think there's a, a great opportunity just like James was saying uh for that to kind of come back on here um but e- something you and I talked about which I thought was interesting is they kept all the DNs uh here moving yeah. forward and how he even kind of commented on that saying you know what are the reasons why you don't have, and if it wasn't so player specific with Jadavion Clowney, I would absolutely agree with him here. Like, this is something I've argued for a very long time. And when it came down to Chris Long and Michael Bennett, uh, sometimes you got to let your draft picks fly. And if you're wrong, go correct them, uh, but allow them to grow and develop and do all these things. Uh, like I said, I disagree with that using that philosophy when it comes to a talent like Clowney, because I think he's above and beyond what they have here right now. But they're going to try and work it out, and it sounds like, at least to me, there's a shortish leash on that in terms of the depth behind it. With uh, you know all the guys that are that are there with Sweat and obviously with uh, uh, Sharif and all those guys that are there. But what did you make of holding on to uh, all the DNs there? Yeah, so Howie had a really interesting answer on a Tuesday morning with Angelo, where he said, you know. Yeah, we kept all three guys, but if we have to go make a trade, we will. I I agree with you. They're all on very short leashes. He's hoping one of them steps up. But I think the bigger question is, I mean, we're talking about the fourth defensive end spot here. The bigger question is Barnett has to be the guy that they think he is. Like, he has to come out. And I'm not saying he has to be Jadeveon Clowney because that's probably unrealistic this year. But he has to come out and be good enough that their decision to pass on Clowney 
was was smart, right? I mean, well, I think Brandon Graham's going to have a very good year. I said on Gilbert's radio, I think he's going to finish top five in sacks this year. Like, I think yeah. he's going to have a monster year. Barnett's the major question mark to me, especially when we tie back into injury thing of him missing a large portion of training camp, not as much as Fletcher Cox, but a large portion of training camp. I think he has to be, you know, seven plus sacks this year. I, it's not going to matter really what Josh Wett's doing if Derek Barnett isn't playing at a high level. He's the guy you really, you really have to get a big year out of to make passing on Clowney seem smart. Uh, James just showing me, by the way, that I know the Zeke drama has been going on, but what what did the tweet say there, James? Adam Schefter, uh, 30 seconds ago, tweets, Agent Rock, Rocky Arcano, I'm guessing, <laughs> is traveling with running back Ezekiel Elliott from Cabo to Dallas per word or ESPN. Uh-huh. A source said an agreement between the team and the two-time NFL rushing champion is quote-unquote very close. Okay, so yeah, I mean... Uh, take Eventually this will end. Eventually this will end. He's always playing. <laughs> he's got to uh, sign by tomorrow, shout right? Shout out to deal? all the people who had the balls to take Ezekiel Elliott in their fantasy drafts <laughs> in the first round like this guy. Yeah, yeah. What's up? <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and because on... He's going to play on Sunday. In, in terms yes. of roster construction, by the way, since we're on that anyway, uh, the Dallas Cowboys also made a signing today. What the fuck? They Lyle, made, baby! They made Lyle Collins the highest paid... Shout out to Throatzilla! Tackle... In football? What do we, what? Like, I know markets change and whatever. That guy's not a right tackle. Okay? Time and time again. That dude, he is just, the Cowboys have just given everybody in the NFC East that has a good defensive line uh, a free shot at Dak Prescott. That's how I feel about that. Am I misreading this? He is not a good tackle. Like, I, I never understood why they moved him from guard. I know he's very athletic, but he's just so. I, I I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't look good when he's uh, when he's over there. Uh, shout out to them, I guess. Like that's another guy that they've made a decision on, and it helps him in in cap and whatever for this year. But man, I can't wait to see how this all <laughs> gets uh, wrapped up between Zeke and and in uh, Dak and all these guys. So it should be pretty fun uh, to kind of see what's going on there. Uh, any other uh, kind of final thoughts on Eagles roster and what they ended with? Um, uh, the the two tight end thing I thought was a little bit interesting, but then they have uh, – I didn't even know Josh Perkins was eligible for practice squad, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, yeah. I was surprised that he went back on there. Um, they uh, Alex Ellis ends up coming on there. Um, I think that helps them for active days. Uh, I, I don't think they go shopping for another one. Is there anything else on the roster that kind of stuck out to you? So my, my two biggest takeaways were, one, I just think this weekend showed how much smarter and better run the Eagles are than every almost every other franchise. Like, how he didn't claim anybody on waivers. He just picked his best 53 players. There was very little drama with it. There's things you can nitpick, but he didn't have to, you know, go trade two ones into two like the Texans did for a tackle. He didn't keep four quarterbacks like the Raiders did when all those quarterbacks are probably bad. Like, there was just a lot of examples around the league of – rosters being mismanaged and not only did Howie not have to claim anybody you saw players like Wendell Smallwood get four claims put in right like it just showed how deep this Eagles roster was how well run they are and just how Howie is he's really the smart I mean he's probably the smartest general manager in the league I'm sure there's other people you can make an argument for but Howie's definitely up there so that that was my biggest takeaway just you know when you talk about this year will they meet expectations and whenever I kind of go through my win-loss projection and I say, okay, they're hurt on defense, or maybe maybe Carson won't be as good as we think. The Eagles have the best owner, head coach, and not head coach because Belichick's the best head coach, but they have one of the best owners, head coaches, and GMs in the league. And when you have that type of 
brain trust running it, like you'll always be a pretty good team. Yes. So that was my biggest takeaway, just how much further ahead the Eagles are than a lot of other teams. I will actually say that I think he's smarter than Bill Belichick. I think he's a better general manager than Bill Belichick. And here's why. Well, it's I think it's tough. I think it's bullshit. That's tough. No, I think it's absolute <laughs> bullshit that he gets to siphon into his like thin board that everybody talks about. He only keeps whatever it is, 125 players or even less than that, 100 players on though, because he knows if he misses, he can coach up anybody because he is the best coach I've ever seen with my eyes. He is. He's a lunatic. He knows he's a lunatic, and he doesn't give a shit if you're in or out. That has been his philosophy forever. When you get to siphon down and be general manager and coach, it's bullshit. All right, like well, hold up, I, hold up. There have been other people who've tried it and failed. It's not easy. No, I know. To be no, I know it's not. But that's how good of a gets, head coach he is. I, I think he gets more credit. And for he, it no, way. and here's why: he fucks up left and right. But left so does and every general right. manager. No, to a point where you, if anyone else in the ah. world did those moves, and you'd go, "God damn, he, what are you doing?" I, I don't think you could separate the two. I understand what you're saying, but the fact that he does coach up guys and turns Malcolm Butler into a, a <laughs> Pro Bowl type, right? Pro, but that matters specifically. He still saw something in Butler to fit into his system, so I don't think you could separate the two. He's the best GM and the best coach in football. He just is. All right, I just think it's six horseshit. titles. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm six. saying, but it's because of how good of a they coach won he is. Six titles. He's filtered it all down. He's just like yeah. he's gotten everything he wanted, and he's really good at it. On top of all that, so that's that's why I understand why I what you're that. saying. That's I don't think he could separate the two. Uh, just look at all the moves. It's, it's not. It's, if any other general manager in the world made those, they would not. It, the team would fall apart instantly. And for some reason, it works for him in the system. Six Super Bowls. I don't know. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm like arguing against sounds the fucking crazy. Rock. It's it sounds crazy. He has more Super Bowls than Howie Roseman has playoff wins. Yeah, yeah I know. I know that. I'm just saying the new Howie seems to be a lot smarter. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably my Eagles bias just hanging out in there too. I fucking <laughs> hate the Patriots. So whatever, um, gentlemen. It's going to be an exciting week. I look forward to uh, really diving deep into this once we kind of get some more, a little more information just on. Who's going to be up? Who's going to be down? We pretty much know that already. Um, we will fully break down kind of what we think the best you know game plan is against Washington. <laughs> it's really just <laughs> don't don't play down to their level. This is pretty much taken care of. But we will get specific about it. Uh, James, any final thoughts before we uh, roll out here at all? Eagles start a Super Bowl run on Sunday. Hey, it's pretty great, man. Get fired up for They're that. They're going to go win a Super Bowl this year. Get ready. Uh, e, anything from you, sir? I'm just emotionally distraught over making my win-loss prediction. That's really <laughs> uh, yeah, and I worked uh, on it for two hours this morning. Oh, I'm did still you? Not finished. Yeah. <laughs> we'll look forward to that this week as well. And uh, man, it all comes back. We get to do the NFC least. We get to ring the bell and make some picks. Oh. It is football season, everybody, and uh, we look forward to uh, having you on board with us all season long. Of course, uh, if you, I understand that the Pick'em League is full. I can't believe that happened. You guys are insane and crazy. By tomorrow, or uh, there will be a new pin tweet Wednesday morning with a new league and a new ID. We're going to have, and if you're in the other one and want to join the, the new one, you can. Well, don't be total dicks because, you know, let people that want to get in there get in there. But we'll have two winners. I, that's that's fine by me. You, you get a chance to come co-host uh, the podcast with us. Uh, we look forward to that, doing draft.com stuff with you guys and a lot more. It's a big week. The birds are back. The boys are back in town. We'll be at Jetra on Sunday. We'll yeah. be drinking beers. We'll be making picks. It's going to be great. Uh, for episode number 106, 
Uh, I am John Barton along with LSU Parks and James Seltzer. You've been listening to the Go Birds podcast right here on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Go Birds. <laughs> Yo, that's good. We should we right, let me get sub my in for the Skype <laughs> thing. You don't even need that music. They got us. Yeah.